All right, you're back in the DFSR on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. And we are riding high off the first night of basketball. Our lineups on DraftKings and FanDuel cashed. Had really little doubt they were going to cash. Once I saw Siakam was like a 50% own cash game ownership. And um, right when I saw that, I was like, well, we're pretty good. I got even in chat, someone came in and said, oh, like Siakam's only like 56% owned in FanDuel. I was like, good. We're almost home free now. The game hasn't even started. That's how confident I was in Siakam. Um, just real quick, any, any, any first night thoughts? Like Toronto safety seemed like it was there. Pelicans already a mess with their rotations. Uh, my Lakers bet was a disaster. Uh, any other quick thoughts on first night of NBA before we <laughs> roll into a big Wednesday? My first thought is I hate myself for not just like showing up and plugging in the optimal lineup. I had to, you know, I, I was busy last night. My wife was out at a work meeting. And so I just didn't have, I just didn't have the sense to just show up and just be like, hey, what's the opti and plug it in. And uh, that was stupid because I knew that our system was going to be all over the Raptors. I love them. I, I love them from before we even saw the prices come out, just knowing that they were going to be undervalued. And your buddy Siakam, Doug, whew, talk about just putting a game on some people. I said, so, I said he had the game. Yeah, Anthony, was, that, Anthony, it was disappointing to miss that. But. Anthony Davis wishes he could have that kind of game is what I, is what I was saying. Um, he was just, I mean, they got, they, and he found out, he found out before overtime. He missed five more minutes. He was still the play of the night, whatever. Um, just with little couple things you can expect from when you sign up for our projection system. That's one of them. Just great plays all the time. And we are going to go through a bigger Wednesday slate. I will tell you, you kind of saw, you kind of mirrored my thoughts when you looked at the schedule for this Wednesday. They piled some good teams in on Wednesday, or excuse me, Tuesday. Yeah. They, they piled some good teams in on Thursday. And they smashed some weird matchups here onto this Wednesday slate uh, in the old hope everyone likes basketball standpoint. Because I, I love basketball as much as anybody, but there's a couple of games. We're going to go game by game here through some of the injury stuff, uh, some of the guys that have met, moved teams and, and all that stuff. Some of these games we're going to move through quicker than others because, man, woof, there's there's some there's some weird ones here. But um, we'll, we'll we'll get into all this, and I think like more than anything like we covered from the last game, we're going to cover just how some of this player movement is going to affect different teams. If we can play some of these players on bad teams, we've kind of avoided this in the past. I, we have, I sort of have some new thoughts, but we'll roll through these games excuse me, uh, game by game, talk about some of the plays and, and kind of what you can sink your teeth into. First game is Cleveland and Orlando. Orlando's eight and a half point favorites. Not that big of a total here, 213 and a half. Orlando returns most of the same team that they had last year, pretty much the whole same team, um, down to the starters. I said most, but that's really misspeaking. They're really bringing back just about everybody. Uh, Cleveland bringing back a lot of the same pieces. It didn't work last year. Kevin Love's got kind of back. This team's terrible. I, I don't know. Thoughts on this game from a DFS perspective? Really not one of my favorites of the night. I just don't know if we're getting a ton of value here. Yeah, probably not, ultimately. I mean, Orlando, like you said, they're the same team, except there are a couple guys that have shown up, you know, most notably Markel Fultz, that could wind up influencing minutes in, a, in an unpredictable way. And I think early in the season, you know, being in, in those sort of unpredictable situations is kind of the worst place to be for cash games, right? So, like last night, we just, I, everyone thought Michael Green was going to be starting, and then he just doesn't, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I see some potential for that in this Cleveland-Orlando game, frankly, on both sides, you know? Uh, bad teams are always unpredictable, and then, you know, teams that add new pieces can be somewhat unpredictable, and it's not like either team is really a team we were hammering for DFS last season anyway, so... You know, outside of the odd Vooch game, um, you know, we'd occasionally be on Aaron Gordon. But, no, nah, I, I don't see a whole lot that I love here 
for cash game purposes. I think there's some big tournament targets, right? Like I think Kevin Love absolutely could pop off on a $7,200 price tag. Uh, towards the end of last season, he was averaging 33 minutes a game. So, you know, it's not out of the question that he puts up like a really healthy double-double with maybe a defensive stat or two. But yeah, there's not, there's just not a lot to love here. Yeah, I think Orlando's going to be a decent basketball team in the East. Um, I don't think I think most of them, because they, no one switched teams here, are priced pretty accordingly. I don't think, like you said, we're getting a ton of value. I'm steering very clear of this Cleveland situation until I have a handle on their minutes. Uh, look, this is the kind of thing that paid yeah. for us mostly going into last night, and we kind of, if you want to speculate on guys off the bench or speculate in these new situations, have at it. But for cash games, we're just not going to be in that business. Um, Cleveland's going to get to watch Darius Garland and Colin Sexton try to defend anybody around the perimeter, so that should be fun. Uh, but they're they still going to play pretty slow basketball, I think, all things considered. So not really a game that I'm looking to target. Game we could target, though, Detroit goes in and plays Indiana, uh, The other another 7 o'clock game. Indiana is 7.5-point favorites. They are a pretty different-looking team this season. No Oladipo to start the year. They did make some moves uh, in the offseason, bring in Jeremy Lamb and Malcolm Brogdon and T.J. Warren, so three uh, the you know, point guard and wing stuff is going to change. And then they're going to move Devonis Sabonis into the starting lineup alongside Miles Turner and kind of go that double big strategy that we've seen some teams employ uh, to start this season. What do we do with this new situation here? I, 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 in some ways, I like Lamb and Warren. In some ways, I'm like, well, we can't totally trust their, their past numbers because the situation is totally different. Uh, thoughts on this one? Because Detroit's a pretty bad team, though they've played a slow pace. We'll get to the Pistons thing in a second. Uh, but thoughts on this relatively new Pacers team? Yeah, the Pacers team is one I had a lot of difficulty with as I was looking at. So I think you're exactly right that the real question for this team is going to be the role of Lamb and Warren as they come on board. Um, you know, ultimately, I think probably both of them will have expanded roles on this Pacers team compared to their previous stops. I mean, maybe not Warren. He was like the second option in Phoenix there uh, for a while. But Lamb in particular, I, I do think could see an expanded role, especially with Oladipo sidelined. But it's not like he's exact. They're not giving him away either, right? At 5,800. I think if Lamb was like 4,800, I could think about doing it for cash games just because I think the upside would outweigh whatever risk uh, you might take on by playing him. Warren, the price is kind of the same, you know, and he's going from a Suns team that, you know, weren't especially good, but you knew that the opportunity would be there to an Indiana team that actually played faster than the Suns last year. Uh, the Suns somehow wind up being one of the slower teams in the league. But there's just more mouths to feed and more good players. And, and presumably he's going to be on better behavior than shooting 20 shots a game like he would do occasionally with the Sun. So, yeah, I, I can't say that I'm, I'm particularly enthusiastic about really running any Pacers, unfortunately. But on the flip side of the ball, Blake Griffin ruled out Markeith Morris. You know, they famously brought him in. They're just doing the, the Mor Morris Brothers tango out there. Is Mar Markeith Morris kind of a good cash game play right now? Forty three hundred. I said, I said <laughs> we've we've been done this path before, but uh, that's pretty cheap for a guy if he's going to enter the starting lineup. I think he's going to start. I think this team's terrible. I think people are going to want to play Drummond too. Now, I will say for Drummond, I know you asked about Morris. So I'll get to him in a second. People, so Drummond on DraftKings at eighty four hundred with no Blake seems pretty obvious to me. It's not a one to one usage comp, mostly because Drummond almost kind of needs Blake to really thrive <laughs> because he needs to like stretch the floor a little bit. Morris luckily does that a little bit. Morris is bad, I think. Like I wouldn't want him on the team that I rooted for from a basketball standpoint. Um, so I think he probably helps Drummond a little bit here. He's also a total and complete chucker when he gets on the court. Like he has pretty high usage rate for a Washington team last year. They kind of didn't want him shooting. And every time he got on the court, the guy was like, it's coming up because uh, he's jack of a lot of three pointers. 
So I think from a DFS perspective, I think Markeith, as long as he plays, he is questionable right now. As long as he plays, I think we're in a good situation with him on DraftKings, probably on FanDuel as well, um, just from a value. Like he's 3,600. If he's starting at 3,600 in DraftKings, I get that everything about the matchup is bad. Um, You probably just have to bite the bullet and do it. Uh, And I don't love it, mostly because I just don't really like playing Markeith Morris in any situation. Um, I'm actually wondering real quick, your thoughts on Derek Rose. He's going to come off the bench. But if they need a scorer, and it really seems like they're going to need one, he has shown the ability to come in off the bench and just kind of get buckets. Um, it's still kind of tra- it's kind of still plays like sort of an old school basketball way, trying to get to the lane. Can't really shoot threes that well. But Derek Rose at like twenty six or twenty seven minutes would be a guy that would start creeping around cash games for us. What are your thoughts on him c- coming off the bench? Yeah, I'm not going to be playing a bench guy on a new team in my first cash games of the season. I think that's like exactly how. You wind up smashing your head through a window, so I will definitely not be doing that. But I could certainly see the case for big tournaments. Um, yeah, but no, I, I don't. Right? Am I crazy? No, no, Am you're I not crazy. I think people are. I'm just mostly saying it because no, I think people are just. I'm just taking. I've taken the temperature of some things, and I think people see it as a, maybe an opportunity. I'm with you. At 4400. And 4400. It's a really nice GPP play on DraftKings. Uh, I'm with you that there's just safer routes to go from a cash game perspective. Chicago goes in and plays Charlotte. Charlotte is a three-point home underdog. Uh, this game actually has a 220 total, which is the third highest of the slate, not fourth highest of the slate, uh, mostly because these teams are just do not project to play anything close to any defense. I brought up two freaking Hornets for cash, um, mm. and I'm wondering your thoughts here. The first is Terry Rozier for, on FanDuel. Rozier, look, I know it's a new situation, and I know we don't totally know what's going to happen here. He's 7,000 on FanDuel. It looks for all the world like he is just going to shoot. They gave him the max contract which is a total joke, but whatever. Um, they gave him a max contract. He, he basically steps into that Kemba Walker role. Kemba had huge, huge usage in this offense last year. Um, at 7,000, could we just maybe just roster a Terry Rozier who just figures he's going to play minutes. They've signed him to this huge contract. There's no reason to sit him. The team's going to lose anyway. They're terrible. Um, but is this a situation where we could just trot Terry Rozier out in cash on the first slate at 7,000? I wrote him up, and I, I think he's actually a pretty good play. Yeah, I mean, I feel awful trying to run any Hornets out there. But the thing is, like, the things that you like to see here, first of all, the Hornets are not going to be in a lot of games that project to be very close over the course of the season. So when those happen, like, we see this with bad teams very frequently. When those teams are going to be in close games, typically they're underpriced relative to uh, where their value ought to be because they're often losing minutes because they're getting blown out. Now, with the Hornets, they will be in that situation a lot. They're not currently in it. And I think you're right. I mean, just look at the other players on this team. Like, it's the same team as last year, but worse. You know? oh, it's horrible. <laughs> it's like Kemba's gone. They replaced it with Rozier. We know Kemba was sustaining an $8,000 plus price tag on this terrible team. And they're worse elsewhere, too. They also lost Jeremy Lamb, who, you know, was a, a big source of usage for them as well. So another year later on Nick Batum, who's already looking like a corpse. Uh, MKG doesn't ever want to shoot the ball. And these guys aren't even starting. Like, they're weird they're pre- slash bad. They're still, I know. The, the, the team is just filled with bad players. I don't need to list them all. So I think you're right. I think $7,000. Like, one thing we have seen on bad teams is that it's very rare for nobody to be worth $7,000, right? I mean, you have to have a really, really special situation. And usually it's on one of those teams where they just can't figure out who to give the minutes to. Like, those old school Nets teams where it would be like, yeah, everyone plays 29 minutes, yeah. so good luck. <laughs> I don't think that's going to be the case in Charlotte. They, they already have to be feeling a little bit embarrassed after just getting absolutely panned where Terry Rozier is now. It's like, you know, how a 
an adhesive bandage is just called a Band-Aid, and that's a brand. Like Terry Rozier was like the the brand name version of the terrible offseason. Yeah, to so, get like... Yeah, I think that he's going to play a ton of minutes. He might be terrible. It might be inefficient. Might, they might lose by 10, but it's hard to imagine he doesn't score 35 fantasy Yeah, points. if he was like some kind of like hyped rookie, I wouldn't even be there on it. But like the fact that they gave him the contract, I, for some reason the contract has me totally swayed. Exactly. Like I think that that's the reason they're just going to say like, hey, time to prove that he was worth something like worth the contract. So I think we see plenty of minutes. It's nice that they're not projected for a blowout. I kind of threw out Dwayne Bacon as a possible punt play. Uh, he's coming pretty cheap. Uh, he put up the second most shots for them per minute in the preseason. Um, and we did see the end of the year where he started, once they got Batum and guys like this out of the lineup, he was taking double-digit shots per game. Uh, so I don't think he's the worst kind of play in this situation. Again, mostly just a punt play. We still are kind of waiting for we're still waiting for confirmation on the starting lineup. I think it's going to be P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges. Uh, just says a lot about your team when this is the kind of situations that you're trying to make uh, toward the end of the season. Chicago comes in fully healthy to start the season. Uh, Wendell Carter is actually – he's – questionable but i think he's going to play they bring in sadaransky to run the point don't think he's going to be touching the ball much with the usage behind levine and Markin in here uh, i see those guys as pretty much po- properly priced though this team game has a pretty high total do you think people will go the chicago route at all uh for their lineups i suppose they could i don't you know feel particularly excited about it myself i think the introduction of sadaransky could you know like we, we have had some value out of the point guard position on this team I don't think you'll see that here. I think Zach Levine is basically priced at the peak of his production. Um, and, you know, while he could be capable of that, last year averaging 37 fantasy points a game, coming in with an $8,000 salary. Like, I don't I don't reasonably see a path for increased usage out of him almost, right? Like, it se- kind of seems like he's just beating his head against the wall <laughs> anyway. So uh, him, you know, increasing his fantasy point totals by, you know, 10% or something like he would need to do uh, could be difficult. Uh, Laurie Markkinen was a guy we would consider at these prices last year, but the introduction of Thad Young kind of clogs that up too. So, yeah, unfortunately, I think Chicago, one of those, not not necessarily already an exciting team, but I think the introduction of some new guys vying for minutes could make this a little problematic to start the season. I will say, from a betting standpoint, and I'll get to the bet here in a second, mybookie.ag is where you want to go in to put all your NBA bets in this year. Use the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. They're going to match your deposit bonus up to $100, first-time depositors only. you got to use that promo code overtime. But I love – and I, look, forget the part where I said I love the Lakers at minus three last night on the road. Um, okay, we'll wave that one aside. This one, though, Chicago minus three, I don't think people really get – and Vegas, I think, is probably going to struggle with this as well. I don't think people get just how bad this Hornets team is. Like, this team is horrible. And I know that the, the Bulls aren't good either – but the Bulls at least have competent NBA guys on their team, like Levine, whatever you want to say about his game and scoring, and I hate watching him play, but mm-hmm. um, competent NBA player. Markkinen's just good. I think Wendell Carter is actually going to be very good. The Sadoransky piece is pretty interesting because this is a spot they struggled with last year at point guard, specifically between Dunn and uh, Arcea Dacano. Uh, Sadoransky is actually pretty good, and he's actually a very good defender. I think this is actually a competent team that is going to try to win this year, whereas I think the Hornets are rudderless. I love them minus three. Uh, Thoughts here real quick on that. Um, just I, I'm just going to look at competency, and I know Chicago's really never been put in that category, but I think I think it's really – I don't think people understand just how bad this Hornets team is. Yeah, I think in the old which team has NBA players and which team doesn't category, I think you're absolutely right. I think Charlotte could very quickly be one of these teams that have his favorite – or 10-point underdogs every night regardless. So, yeah, early season, I'm happy cashing in here. Uh, so mybookie.ag, you got to use the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, to get in on that deal, the deposit bonus. Head on over now and use them. And when the game's over 
and you want to see highlights of the Bulls winning uh, by more than three, which I'm sure they'll do to cover so as not to break our hearts, you got to use the CBS HQ app. There's really nothing better for checking out highlights of games, pre- uh, preview stuff as well. It's really kind of an a la carte app for sports fans that you really just kind of have to have at this point if you're especially if you're like not able to tune into every single game. Um, you want to just catch some highlights. You want to catch what pe- people are thinking before the game. CBS HQ, totally free. You kind of put in the game, put in the content you want to see on the app, and that's what you're going to get. You're not kind of you know waiting for some of these other shows to sort of hit on the highlight that you want to see. You're not waiting for any of that stuff. CBS HQ, totally free. No username, no login. You just download the app, and you're good to go. It's pretty much a must for sports fans at this point in this day and age. So CBS HQ app, go check it out. All right, let's keep rolling through some of these games. <laughs> it doesn't at, at times it's like doesn't get better, but this is you know because there's some other bad ones we're going to get to. But 7:30, Boston at Philadelphia, Philly minus five, totally new Philly squad here in the sense that they bring in Josh Richardson and obviously Al Horford uh, to make up or to replace not one for one I guess, but Jimmy Butler and JJ Redick. And then you get Boston, no Kyrie Irving, no no aforementioned Horford. They bring in Kemba in the offseason, uh, and it's still unclear who's going to start at center between Daniel Thies or possibly Robert Williams or maybe Cantor. I think it's going to end up being Williams, but we'll have to kind of wait and see. Thoughts on this game from a DFS perspective? There were a couple plays I'd like, but I'm wondering your thoughts because I, I, I have a potential issue with our system that I want to bring to your attention. Okay, so for starters the best game of the night and probably right i mean just in terms of the sheer yes. excitement uh to watch these two teams go i'm actually pretty excited for the oklahoma city utah game as well but i might be on an island there <laughs> um, i guess my pick for the pre- preseason one of my great bets is uh, okc being friskier than people believe but yeah this game certainly the marquee game on the slate um from a dfs perspective i think you know one of the big outstanding questions for the whole season, frankly, is, is Gordon Hayward's new role now that Kyrie is gone. Um, yeah, Kemba's coming in, but Kemba's certainly much a much more willing facilitator, you know, than Kyrie was. I think he's still ultimately shoot first, but I think he's just everything you're hearing out of camp, general attitude, just happy to be playing on a team that's playing for anything at all. I think you'll see him uh, really trying to distribute. And I yeah, I think there's definitely some stuff to be interested in here. I will say, you know, playing Boston up against just the tallest team of all time might yeah. be a little bit insane here. So I don't know if that's where you were headed with this. Say so you wanted to play some Celtics, but um, I have a feeling that you're probably not. So which, am I right there? Or are, are there Sixers that you're looking at here? Where are the big DFS options? Because well, well, I'm very I, excited about this game from a high level for uh, for regular basketball. I'm not totally seeing the DFS picture here. So I'm uh, a little worried that our system's very bullish on the Celtics coming out here um, and not totally understanding some of the, you know, we make a lot of adjustments in the offseason to try to make up for, you know, what teams have done in the past. And for the most part, it's really hard to make huge fundamental changes to a team season over season, uh, though this season is really putting that to the test. Sixers especially are really putting that to the test when it comes to some of their defensive metrics uh, year over year. We are way high, way high on the Boston total yeah. right now, like just like obscenely high. And that has me worried because when our system is calling out guys like Hayward, who I actually really like and wrote up, like I actually think that this he I think he puts him together a really, really nice season. This year he's fully healthy. He's a year, a year plus out of rehab. Uh, no Kyrie. He's going to start. I think the minutes are going to be there. So I really like him. And I'm worried that if, if we just kind of need to temper our systems expectations on the Celtics in general, because. I think it's also not totally getting where all the shots are exactly going to go between this, these guys and coupling with the fact that this right. this Philly team from a defensive standpoint could just be an absolute behemoth. Like, 
people just really might struggle to score against Philly on a possession by possession basis because of how huge they are. Do we kind of do I do I need to go in and just like maybe lower Boston across the board and kind of take a wait and see and maybe even adjust Philly the other way too because I'm a little worried about our total. Yeah, it's funny. I already did that. So <laughs> if you want to change it back, yeah. you can. But that was one of those oh, things we were talking yeah. earlier. You know, one of the sanity checks that we like to do leading up to the season. And, you know, like we actually use our NBA system. It doubles as a DFS engine and a sports betting picks engine. But early in the season, like you said, we're very much trying to be on top of how to look at um, just how to look at where we differ from Vegas, because Vegas is certainly they have a ton on the line when it comes to setting better lines. And so if they rolled up and like I think our system had initially had this game going like 20 points over or something like that. Typically, yeah. if it's that far off, like we might be on to something, but usually we just have something wrong. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know, it's like a check engine light kind of on our system. And as I was looking at it, I just don't see a case that uh, Boston's going to score like 115 points or whatever we had them for. So I did downgrade them. I just don't think we can totally account for it. And again, early season, you know, we talked about this going into that Raptors game. There are just going to be some known commodities and the value of known commodities for cash games in particular just goes way up. Uh, I think I'm with you. We've already lowered uh, Boston here. Let's move on. 7.30 game. Minnesota goes in and plays my Brooklyn Nets. This game has a 226.5 total. Mm -hmm. This is the second highest total on the slate. Obviously, the Nets bring in Kyrie Irving in the offseason. Durant, too, but he's not going to play. Uh, and then the other way, we get Carl Anthony Towns against a team that just gave it up in a big way to centers last season. Uh, they are still going to start Jared Allen. And they did bring in DeAndre Jordan, who is probably going to play at least some, at least decent minutes off the bench. I think. I see. I see we'll get to the Nets in a second. I see Towns as a must play here. Uh, Eleven thousand. He, I know he's, I know he's expensive, but so many big names from a fantasy perspective are just not on this slate, uh, just because a lot of the marquee players played on Tuesday or are going to play tomorrow on Thursday. Mm -hmm. Towns is a must play for me. If he's anything but major chalk, I'd be totally shocked. Um, I think the Nets are still going to have trouble. Uh, keeping bigs really away from the basket. And Towns is just an elite player. He's a top 10 player in all basketball. He just happens to be on a kind of a bad team. Um, thoughts here on Towns as Chalk? I, I think he's just going to be the most I – I don't think he's going to be the highest on guy, but he should be. Love Towns. I mean, he was a playable option on these prices last year, even in league average matchups. Great matchup here against Brooklyn. I don't think we have any reason to believe that bringing Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan is going to make Brooklyn better against centers. So – yeah, I think Towns a great payoff option because, you know, we haven't gotten to a lot of them yet. But, well, I guess we talked about Markeith. But there are some cheap options where you can pay down a little bit uh, to afford more expensive guys tonight. And typically the way it works in basketball is you often have room for, like, a star or two. Uh, the other players in the absolute top price tier, um, we already talked about Drummond. We didn't even mention Embiid going up against Boston. I think Towns is the best of that group. So, yeah, right now happy to key in on him for cash. Yeah, this one's pretty easy for me. Nets allowed something like 11% more scoring and 10% more rebounding to opposing yeah. centers. I don't think that's going to change. I think the pace is still going to be uh, decent for them. They weren't a huge pace team last season, but Kyrie will probably end up pushing the ball. Uh, I don't see a lot of other plays from me on a cash game perspective on the Minnesota side. I do like Covington coming back, but I'm worried they kind of keep the minutes in check. Uh, and some of these other guys are just whatever, like Wiggins and T can kind of come and go. On the Nets side, where do we want to land here on Kyrie's usage? I think this could be a situation where our we might be a little low on the projection because he was in a Boston system, uh, and then just was in. He just hasn't been in systems yet that have just basically turned the full keys over to him, right? Like playing with LeBron, obviously playing in that Boston 
where they just had guys like Tatum and Hayward at times and just all the other pieces they had. I don't think we've seen the full extent of like what Kyrie can put up on a game-to-game basis in terms of shots. Um, from that perspective, like we have him at only ah, like 18 shots right now. That seems maybe possibly low. Like this guy could easily jack up like mid 20s when it's all said and done. Do we need to bump the usage on him a little bit leading into the season? Uh, potentially. I don't think you need to go crazy. I mean, two seasons with Boston. Granted, they had you know a good supporting cast there, but 18.3 shots on average. You have that one 19.7 shot a game season with Cleveland. That was when he was playing 35 minutes a game. I don't know. I don't totally see him as being like a 22 shot a game guy or anything like that. I think especially early on in Brooklyn, you know, like the the lip service that these guys paid and going to Brooklyn was, hey, we already like the pieces that are in place. These guys can play, man. We're just going to plug ourselves in and like be good teammates and we're going to turn this team into a 50 win team. And I, I would be pretty surprised if he had walked right in and just started jacking him, right? Like that just seems kind of nuts. That being said, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna. I think Steven he's gonna. Ninth, yeah. uh, you think so? Yeah. yeah, I think he's gonna. I think so he's, he's never. He's never been shots. a sustainable nine. He's never been a sustainable nine thousand dollar player before. So you're you're calling for something that hasn't happened in any time that we've played these guys. Um, Brooklyn last season, we're a bottom eleven pace team. Um, you know. And Boston was a top eight pace team. So I don't know. Maybe that was because of Kyrie and he's going to make them press it a little bit more. But I, I, I don't know. I think we're a little bit stretched trying to run them here. Yeah, I'm not saying we have to play him. I think I'm just saying and maybe like a little bump in his usage doesn't get him there anyway. So it's a moot point. Um, but I do, I do think it's – I think there's a chance – I'd be shocked if he finished the season like with 18 shots. I think he's going to take something like 22, 23 a game. I think the Nets are going to be totally fine with that. By the way, like I don't uh, um, just having studied the Nets, maybe I'm just overexposed to the Nets at this point because of my other podcast. Karis Levert's another guy I like. I think Levert takes a big usage uh, and just like kind of minutes step forward this year. Uh, they kind of jacked him around last year um, until the playoffs when they finally figured out that he should be starting uh, and had a sort of a coming out party. He's been basically handed over the keys to be the second best player on this team until Durant gets here, signed into a contract extension, 6400 on FanDuel. I could talk myself into it. I wouldn't want to go crazy with it in cash games. Um, but, again, this game has the highest, second highest total of the, of the game, and Kyrie and Levert, I think, are going to lead a majority of the scoring here. Quick thoughts on Levert, then we'll move on. Yeah, I like Levert. I think he's definitely posed. He's, he's a guy I really like in season-long fantasy this year. You know, People aren't necessarily sleeping on him after seeing what he was capable of towards the end of last season. But yeah, I think he's a, just a downright good player. Can contribute across multiple categories. Rebounds the position very, very well uh, when given a chance. So d- Good defender as well. Can rack up steals and piles if things break his way. So yes, definitely definitely liking Levert here. I'm also just looking for guys early this season that like stand to just make gain strides in their minutes season over season where the price hasn't totally caught up. Like that, these sure. are kind of the situations I'm looking for the most. I do not think we're going to find many of those in the Memphis Miami game. Uh, this game is a two twelve over under. Miami is seven and a half point favorites. I'm actually feel like a lot of the teams. Um, maybe I'm going to be bitten on this. Are not safe to start the season with minutes, but I kind of have some sense of where they're going to go outside of some fringe players. Except for Memphis, I do not feel good about this Memphis team trying to project their minutes. I think it's. I think we're. I'm very glad they're playing Miami to start the season because I just don't think we have to worry about it. And then in Miami, they get Jimmy Butler coming in there. Um, really looks like Tyler Hero is actually just going to start the season at point guard, um, and they're just going to start him. I just not. That hasn't been really said yet, but. Anything you like here? Are we still like sort of in this ground and pound Memphis style where this game is such a low total on a big slate? I'm not sure we totally go here. Yeah, I think that's pretty much where I'm headed right now. I think you also have that other factor of just totally new situation. Oh, Miami in particular, 
those guys were already kind of scary to me. None of their prices have really come down, except for they've introduced Jimmy Butler into the mix. So I just don't see how you can reasonably play them against a grit and grind Memphis team. On the Memphis side of things, I just think you're insane to play someone like John Morant at 7,500, right? We've never seen this guy take the court in an NBA game. Um, yeah, he's a highly touted prospect, probably going to be a very good player, but very good players don't always sustain $7,500 price tags. Uh, likewise with Jaron Jackson Jr., the prices come up on him as well in spite of coming nowhere near paying this price on the minute share he had last season. So I don't see where I'd really want to be going here. Maybe outside of like Bam, you know, I haven't really looked as closely at the slate yet, but um, power forward can be dicey. No white side, you know, we could see uh, Bam settling in at 32 to 35 minutes a game, in which case he'd be pretty interesting on these prices, but he's really the only guy that's cropping up on my radar here. Uh, a couple injury news and notes from this game. Deion Waiters suspended for the first game, and James Johnson did not meet his conditioning guidelines, so he is inactive from the Heat roster right now. So it was like James Johnson could turn it in like James Davis out there. <laughs> What's going on with his conditioning guidelines? Like, <laughs> yeah, so he's out. Yeah, he's just like no indications yet. Uh, he didn't meet his weight goal, so okay, have at it. I don't have at the jokes, I guess, uh, for the James Johnson thing. All right, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> that's too good. Actually, before we do, let's just talk real quick about Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats, uh, the third great sponsor of our podcast. Uh, if you need to get games, or excuse me, you need to get tickets for any game this year, Vivid Seats is about as good an option as you're going to find. You download the app, you you make a new account. The first set of tickets you buy, you're going to uh, receive a discount up to $100 in that first purchase. So you're looking to buy one of these games early. Maybe you want you have a team that you like. These are, the, <laughs> these are the kind of things you're searching for. Game on Sunday, whatever it is. Concert tickets as well. Whatever it is, you go in there, you get that $100 discount, up to $100 discount in the first purchase. You're also going to get enrolled automatically into the rewards program, which is going to have uh, giveaways and stuff like that through the course of the season, or just with the course of the lifetime of the app. So Vivid Seats app, you got to use the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, just like the network we're on. Vivid Seats app, download it today. Like I said, great sponsors of the podcast. Want to keep them around, keep these guys happy. Vivid Seats, download the app. Do it right now. I'm going to pause for one second. Everyone go and download the Vivid Seats app. Okay, good. And while it's downloading, we'll talk about 8.30 game. New York goes in and plays the Spurs. Spurs, 10-point home favorites here. Oh, buddy, I don't know what to do with either of these teams. I stared and stared and stared at this. Um, from the Spurs, they have a great matchup here. I want to believe guys like Deontay Murray are just going to start getting all the minutes we once believed, and he's been out for so long that I can't totally trust that our system loves wanting to play him against what's still going to be a defensively challenged Spurs team. Aldridge and Rudy Gay are kind of showing up here. I don't totally trust it in the Knicks side. I'm actually glad they have a terrible matchup here against the Spurs because I kind of want to be bullish on some of these guys like R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle. This just doesn't seem like the time to do it. Thoughts on this game from a DFS perspective? Yeah, the problem with these Knicks guys is, again, like Randall, they're just plugging him in and just assuming that he'll just go ahead and be an $8,100 player. That's a tall bar to clear, right? I mean, you got Aldridge right here in the same game who's just been doing this for year in, year out, and is $8,500. Uh, I just think you're just taking unnecessary risk. I mean, likewise with Murray. One thing that's kind of strange about DraftKings and FanDuel this season is they priced a lot of these guys pretty aggressively based on narrative, right? I mean, Derek White, well, what has Derek White ever done to be worth $6,000 on FanDuel and DraftKings, right? I mean, go look at his game log. And aside from that one insane game he had against Denver in the playoffs where he scored 60 fantasy points somehow, you basically just have to scroll and scroll and scroll until you find another game where he even paid 5x on this price. So is it simply that he like looked good trying out for Team USA? I don't know, but it's very hard for me to imagine wanting to pay a premium on any of these guys, even in a solid matchup 
against the Knicks. So not to say that you can't play a guy like, you know, DeRozan or Aldridge. I think those are players that you could consider just because, you know, the floor should be relatively high and their roles should be relatively unchanged. But a lot of these other interchangeable moving part type guys, you're just in the realm of complete and utter speculation. So, you know, not only do you not know how good R.J. Barrett's going to be, you don't even know what his minutes are going to be. You know, not every rookie just shows up and plays 35 minutes a game, right? So, um, you know, you can dream on all the Trey Young sort of situations that you want, but those are the exception and not the rule, even for top-level draft picks. So, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not touching the Knicks until we get some sanity there. Uh, and the Spurs, I, I could play them, but I, I wouldn't necessarily be excited about it. Yeah, so my quick thoughts on both these teams. R.J. Barrett played an, an obscene amount of minutes in the preseason. The only reason I say that is because he, like most guys in preseason, play like 24 minutes if you're good or if like guys are taking the night off. This guy was playing like 36 minutes a game or something like that in these like preseason games, just totally insane. Unlike really any other player really in all of basketball. It's just the weird. It was just the weirdest thing that he, Fisdale played him so Go much. Knicks. I don't know, man. Jeez, I want to be bullish on the Knicks, but they make it hard. Um, then there's talk that like Mitchell Robinson might not start. I don't know because I kind of like some. Sorry, I actually kind of like for for what they for what they are. I kind of didn't mind some of the moves they made this year. Like um. Anyway, that's that's a whole other point. Um. The I don't think they're like a, they're gonna like go to the playoffs or anything. Although I, some outside chance, but they just can't even get these things right. Like you don't even know who's starting a point guard now. They have Dennis Smith, Alfred Payton, and Frank Nicolina, and then they're like ah maybe we'll start Alonzo Trier at point guard. I'm like what? It's just like, no one can figure out what the hell's going on with this team. Like well, I don't know. Uh. If they don't start if they don't start Mitchell Robinson, I, I gotta something needs to just put this team on strike somehow like i just wouldn't understand he's like the freaking best player last year anyway over my Knicks rant uh the uh i'm too mad about the Knicks. who are they playing oh the spurs um if yeah if you saw guys like derose the only safety in derosen and lamarcus Aldridge, like i said is you kind of just know what they're going to do and there's just some chance they blow this team out and we just don't see crazy minutes from any of the guys because they are trying to figure out what they have in some of these other pieces and guys like murray that are coming back so it's probably just a situation i'm gonna totally avoid all right, I'm still mad about the Knicks. Washington and go and goes in and plays Dallas. This is a team I can get excited about. The Mavs now have Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis, and Porzingis looks fully healthy. And these guys took every shot for the Mavs in the preseason in the games they played. Like their usage, they took like half the shots that the team had. They play a Washington team that looks like it's going to be absolute and total garbage this year. They have a very nice total, and these two guys really look like they're going to soak up every shot. Are we in a situation where we should just maybe pair these guys together in cash and call it a day? And I know Zinger has not played him forever, but they look really healthy and they kind of didn't have any problem running him minutes in the in the preseason. Like they weren't, they there was no training wheels with him in the preseason. That was kind of the one thing I looked at. Like, did they play him for 24, 25 minutes? And they did. I don't know. I think Porzingis at 7,700 feels like a lock to me. Doncic at 99 is getting cutting it a little close to the, how expensive it is. And it can't be forgotten. This Washington team is horrible. Uh, thoughts here on the Dallas guys. Right now, they're both they're both in lineup one for us on Fanduel. Well, Doncic seems like a straightforwardly good play, so we'll start there. I, I think he's good. I, I know that he didn't totally justify this price tag last year, but I do think we saw growth. And towards the end of the season, being a ten thousand dollar player uh, was absolutely no problem for him. So really like that. Great matchup. Um, seeing Porzingis in the optimal lineup, Doug. I have to tell you, it kind of feels like. You know, when, when I see my friend Jeremy from college, you know, it's like we it's been a long time, but we haven't missed a beat. Porzingis probably was in our optimal lineup in the last game he played a year and a half ago, and he's yeah. right back in now. So uh, I think I'm with you, though. Like, you know, normally I'm super, super cautious when it comes to deploying guys who have been out because of injury. As you know, this is a little bit of a different case because it's not like a midseason injury. So midseason injuries tend to be horrifying because 
you know, guy's out for three weeks and comes back, you just have no idea what the plan is, right? If a guy is brought onto a team via trade, has a year to rest, essentially, and now has been playing actively in the preseason, practicing in full, they're trying to build this team, this potential dynasty uh, with these young players around him. I don't mind it too much. I, I still think there's plenty of risk involved here. Like, I think it's, I'm going to have to look at my other options, but I don't think it's as crazy on paper as you might think. So uh, I'm giving it my my tepid recommendation right now, but I'm going to want to see our other options too because I definitely don't think it's without risk. I think FanDuel just did us a huge favor by the price at 7700 I think that's mostly what it is. Like, I think that he could play something like 30 minutes and still not crush you at this number just on how much he was shooting and what he was doing in the preseason. Uh, like I said, he easily was the highest usage guy on the whole team in the preseason. It wasn't even close. He took every freaking shot. Um, I'm totally fine with it. Like, for instance, like other options, like you go like Marcus Aldridge at 8,500. I think I'd rather have Porzingis in this matchup. I think he's just going to, I think they're just going to come out and just play him. Um, maybe that's over speculation. This is one of my conviction plays. I feel very good about Porzingis in this spot. And right now, if it was okay, him, so I will I will say on Porzingis. To that note, I will say he is the candidate of the plays we've seen so far, the highest candidate I could see to increase his price by twenty five percent. Right. Yes. And so right away, that makes him an incredible big tournament target. But you're probably right that that builds in enough floor in cash games as well. Yep, I think I'm there too. I, Maxi Kleber, we have in lineups too at 3,700 on FanDuel. Dwight Powell is going to miss the start of the season. Uh, I think we get uh, plenty of minutes out of Kleber here. He probably he fits well with the, these two other guys. He's not going to do a ton. The, uh, no one else in Dallas is going to. It's going to be very hard for these other guys in Dallas, uh, short of one of these guys missing a game, to sustain a lot of fantasy upside. I think these two guys are just going to do so much stuff that we're just the rest of the guys are just going to kind of be on the court with them. I think that's the plan. I don't mind Kleber here at 3,700. Uh, any other thoughts here on the Washington side? Bradley Beal signs a big contract. He's very expensive. Feels like he's going to take all the shots and play all the minutes again. Isaac Bonga is going to start. He's like coming free. I don't know how much speculation you want to do on this Washington side. Again, this team's horrible. Well, you, you gave Isaac Bonga a bunch of minutes. Um, not exactly sure what's going on there. Because um, <laughs> I wasn't the person that audited the Washington team. But no, I, I have a really hard time imagining that I'm going to want to land on on running any Wizards probably at any point during the season. Um outside of the potential Bradley Beal sighting or you fill in guys in great matchups. But now this isn't one of them. I, I'm going to go ahead and pass here. Yeah, like I said, I, Bung is going to start. I, I, he is going to get it lowered. He's just so free. He's like free on, on DraftKings. That's all it is. And once, once you guys have guys like Drummond uh, and some of these mid-tier guys with like and Carl Anthony Towns, he's just looking for a cheap guy. Indeed, not be him. All right, a couple more games, three more games to roll through here, 9 o'clock games. OKC goes into plays Utah. Utah, nine-point favorites to start the season. Do you love uh, you love uh, OKC enough to kind of take the points with them here? Um, like nine points, Utah's a really tough place to go play. Ton of hype for Utah going to the season, obviously, with the Mike Conley addition. They got uh, Bojan Bogdanovic also in the offseason as well. But OKC, SGA, Chris Paul, Danal Ganari, Steven Adams, this is a competent NBA team. Uh, like, there's no doubt about it. Like, this team has guys on it. Should this team be a nine-point underdog? I don't think we need to spend too much time on the DFS stuff. Uh, I don't really see any great value here. But um, just from a betting standpoint, does plus nine look okay for you for the Thunder? Yeah, probably they should be nine point underdogs. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I certainly like them to beat their over this season. They were one of my favorite over bets going into the year, and this Utah team is just really, really super good. And they've had this weird roller coaster ride of being, you know, probably underrated last year to them being overrated a little bit when they were starting to acquire pieces during the off season. And now I think people are back to sleeping on them just a little bit. And I think 
people really underrate just how good a player Mike Conley is and how dramatic an upgrade that's going to be at the point guard position. So, you know, taking this in a home game, you're going to get the Jazz fans absolutely out of their minds going into this game. Like, this is probably the most hyped Jazz season since, like, Carl Malone and John Stockton days. So I think this is going to be one of those games that, yeah, OKC puts up a little bit of a fight in the first half, but ultimately just the energy of the crowd. I don't think Utah ever lets up either. This is like their opening game, statement-style game in a season where they believe to have title contention. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's – I don't know if I would bet the Utah side either, but I, I don't think I want to jump in on the Oklahoma City side. Give me give me the OKC the next time they play, you know, one of the other mediocre teams, and then I'll probably want to look more carefully at them. Fair enough. Uh, 10 o'clock games, Denver goes in and plays Portland. This is another one where, um, from a real basketball standpoint, kind of all in on watching what these two teams bring to the table in the first game. But low total prices pretty much locked in from last season when, um, you know, it's just like because these two teams really just didn't have much really didn't have much DFS turnover for guys that were relevant. I get like Nurkic, Whiteside and guys like this um, are somewhat interesting. I just don't know if these guys are going to be able to sustain their fantasy prices. But maybe I don't know. Maybe Whiteside's interesting enough. Any thoughts on this game? No one from these two teams are in any of our lamps right now. I take that back. Jamal Murray is kind of poking around some DraftKings lamps, but really not a lot of exposure to this game. Do you think that's going to end up being correct? Yeah, not sure. I mean, you're, you're getting some stability here, which is something you're really not getting elsewhere. But in DFS, if you want stability, you have to pay premium prices for it. So early in the season, I mind plays like this less than I do like a week from now, let's say, because I think a week from now, these guys will all seem overpriced. That's my what I will guess. But the question is, going into the first game of the season from these teams, are you going to be the one who guesses right as to who's underpriced so far? So that might seem like a kind of semantic distinction there, but I do think it's an important one in that these teams coming into the season whose plan that we know I'm going to place a premium on tonight versus the teams that we don't. And then tomorrow or you know a week from now or three days from now, I'm going to assume that the prices won't have corrected enough on the guys that neither FanDuel and DraftKings nor we uh, guessed right on. So I think there's going to be tons of value, obvious value coming up as soon as this weekend uh, when these teams all play their second game. For the first game of the season, I'm definitely okay with just biting the bullet on raw value and just taking some floor. Yeah, I think that that pretty much sums up this game for me. Like I said, interest some interesting guys. Like I think Whiteside, you take some speculation on for GBPs. Uh, you know, you can catch a hot Jamal Murray game. I don't think that's a guy I want to run out and cash just because how streaky a shooter he is. Uh, but like I said, from a real basketball perspective, this is definitely a game you're going to want to tune into. Honestly, a league pass game here that you might want to tune into also is the Sacramento and Phoenix game. Two hundred and thirty <laughs> highest total I mean, of the day <laughs> by by a lot, like by like eight points, yeah. uh, like just a huge total here. 234 over under. It's a very thin spread, too. Sacramento, one point, one and a half point road favorites. Oh, man, where do we start here? Because the Kings, Kings are in a lot of ways are the same team. They're going to gonna see a lot more minutes out of Marvin Bagley, I think, this year. They did bring in Dwayne Dedman to play at the five, though I think you're going to see Bagley close at the five. Though, famous last words with this new NBA. It's, this team's been doing some weird stuff even these first two games, but the way they closed. I wrote up Darren Fox. I'll hear your thoughts about that one in a second. And then this Phoenix team, I okay. Well, let me just start with the Kings. They they have the highest total of the slate here. Very fast paced game. None of these guys are showing up. Do we need to just give this team like a bump across the board, maybe up a little in the same way that we kind of brought Boston down, um, just because of what really looks like it could be just an insane matchup for them. And they have some really fantasy fantasy viable guys. I, Bagley and Fox come to mind really when I think about it, just the guys I might want to play in fantasy. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think playing kings makes total sense in an interesting way. They actually, the same sort of logic applies to them as it does to Denver and Portland, except you probably get more upside here. Uh, the Kings are returning a relatively stable roster, <laughs> which is not something uh, we've been able to say about them in quite some time. But the major pieces, you know, Fox, Heald, uh, Bagley you mentioned, Barnes, like this is a, a team that's bringing some stability to the table. So I think, yeah, they're adding a few different cooks in the kitchen and I could see a case that like, you know, Bijalika, never going to pronounce that game, guy's name right for once Bijalika. in my entire life. Yeah, uh, you said it right, Bijalika. Ariza, yeah. Ariza coming in. You know, there definitely are a few more cooks in this kitchen, but I think ultimately the matchup is good enough that you could you could probably dream on really any of these guys. Um, also, Deadman, I think, is another guy that you liked for your season-long league, and I think yeah. that makes complete sense as well. He's very cheap, uh, 5,300, stepping into that Willie Cauley-Stein role. And we saw with Atlanta, like he was certainly, you know, plenty capable of putting up, you know, 25 to 30 minutes a game and doing 35 to 40 fantasy points on that type of opportunity. So he's another guy, heavy candidate to increase his price by 20 to 25%. Uh, so I, I definitely wouldn't mind playing him in cash either. Yeah, a lot of interesting guys here. This is a team that we probably need to take a little bit of a closer look at just to make sure we're correct on all this stuff. Like Bagley at 8,000. Like, so for instance, like, Porzingis at eight at seventy seven hundred or Bagley at eight thousand, in arguably a better matchup, and we might even know a little bit more about him um, going into the season. Definitely seeing as he's going to start. Like I think the I think the minutes I think we can be pretty healthy on the minutes. Like is that maybe a closer play than we originally thought at first? Um, only three hundred dollars difference for them. We'll move over to the Suns in one second, but I just wanted to give you a couple of guys like this that like might end up being a little bit close. Yeah, yeah, I think they're all they're all fine. Um, I think Bagley is probably the one I like least of this group. I think he's capable of doing more with his opportunity. But last year, it's not like he was playing no minutes. Like towards the end of the season, especially, he was playing between twenty eight and thirty two minutes as part of his normal rotation, and was only rarely worth eight thousand dollars. So I don't see how the introduction of more bodies around him could be helpful to him. Uh, but oftentimes, we do see this with these very young super inexperienced players that you can see a skill set improvement, but I don't think I would want to stick my neck out on a skill set improvement really on anyone. I think it's always possible, but given on a pretty damn large slate here, I just don't think I need to speculate on Bagley. All right, fool me once on this one, fool me a thousand times. I think we were talking about guys who are going to be just worth more uh, come a week from now or just like priced higher. Mm -hmm. I really think Ricky Rubio is going to be one of these guys. Um, like, I don't think we have a true sense of like what Rubio can do in a, in a, on a team that, one, is like not going to be all that good, but, two, is probably going to play him a lot of minutes. They brought him as like their free agent addition in the offseason. They play they, – they, they want to play – well, I mean, this makes sense here. So two things I think he has going in his favor. One, they brought him in to like play the point guard, a position they've really struggled with in the past. Like they wanted to move Booker there at times, and then just like this rotating group of – Via Kobo and D'Anthony Melton, Tyler Johnson, and just all these losers that just come through here. They finally have a guy that kind of fits, at least as like a, a starting NBA point guard in a way that these other guys weren't. Two, I do think Suns, at least for the start of the season, are going to like actually try. Like I think that bringing in a guy like Rubio signals that like we're just going to give it an effort. Let's see what we have with Booker and Aiton and these guys. I don't know, man. I think I think Rubio could be like just really good. It's like a double double guy every night with this team. They might lose games. Um, am I crazy in thinking this? Like he, he and Aiton, I kind of want to be really bullish on going into the season. I both think they're in line to just have higher prices a week from now than they do now, Rubio especially. Yeah, I think that's a, a very good observation. Um, 
I think Aiden, you know, again, it's just it's tough to be more expensive than 8,500. Like, that's a lot. Uh, he only scored 35 fantasy points a game last season. But you think of really all the players on in this game, or maybe even on this slate, he probably rates to see the biggest jump just in terms of raw production. It could come from minutes. It could come from skill set improvement, uh, just general maturation. So I definitely don't mind that play. Uh, Rubio is kind of funny. I mean, I'm with you. I'm pretty bullish on his prospects overall. 7,000 seems kind of fair to me. <laughs> like we, we've seen him hover around that level of production. Uh, there's just so many variables here, right? I think in terms, uh, but I, I guess I will say that that seems like a reasonable floor price for him. And if the team winds up playing faster than the historically slow Jazz have been, that can only help him uh, if he gets a longer leash because, you know, again, this team isn't really buying for playoff contention or anything. That could help him as well. It could also increase his confidence to kind of not have to worry so much about screwing the whole team over by missing a bunch of shots or whatever else. So, yeah, I think I like Rubio's prospects. I think I'm, you, you've talked me into it. Yeah, I don't think we go out there in the first game. Although, I, if you're going to do it, like this might be the one to do because this game could just be absolutely up and down if it stays close and they just if they just say, like, finally we have a point guard that we can play 32 minutes a game. Like, you can play Rubio 32 minutes a game if you're a bad team. Like, I think that's totally reasonable. He's way better than any of the guys they've had in the past. Um, so, again, like, maybe if he was just, you know, 1,000 cheaper, we really, really wetting our whistles on the production here. Uh, that's probably the only problem. Uh, but that being said, I think that he's going to be, like, in that mid-7,000s to maybe even 8,000 just because the assist numbers and this other stuff – I think it's just going to pile on. I think he's going to fit really well with guys like Booker and Aiton and just those guys. I think, gonna be able to, I think he's going to be able to get these guys baskets. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just going overboard on Ricky Rubio here, but uh, I, I really, really like him going into the season. All right, buddy. Big Wednesday in the books here um, from a podcast perspective, but not from a real-life basketball. We still have plenty of basketball to watch tonight. DFSR.com slash deals is going to get you started on our projection system that we've been mentioning uh, really the whole podcast we're going to mention it all year uh, it's probably the thing that we're, we're proud of everything we've done on this site um, and I you know football baseball all this stuff we've been excellent our baseball season was our best ever football's been awesome to start the season and I, I think I speak for both of us that I think we're most proud of what we do with basketball because this is kind of where we got our start um, I think we've been ahead of the curve on a lot of other basketball outfits uh, every single year and I think we've just figured out that the number one key to winning in NBA DFS basketball is to be there and be able to synthesize all of the news very very quickly and get it out to the users in a way that other outfits just don't. And we do that through our chat room. So dfsr.com slash deals will get you started on being able to take a free seven-day trial to that projection system. Literally all you have to do is sign up for free, head into the chat room, say, hey, is this worth it? And you'll get a bunch of people that have paid for us for years and say yes. And that's it. There's no other. That's that's the whole sales pitch. So go, go on over, ask the users, dfsr.com slash deals. Uh, that's it. Uh, there's what? There's no better testimonial than the people that actually pay you to do the service. So go and sign up now. Free seven-day trial. Buddy. You'll be on the system for Wednesday. Much luck to you. I'll probably be okay. around too. It's going to be a fun one for basketball. So excited that's already here. Uh, tons to talk about the rest of the year. We'll be back for podcasts all throughout the season. Enjoy your Wednesday night of hoops. Let's do it.